1: I think we should uh, definitely do something for our audience and actually explain what drilling fluids are, being that this is a drilling fluid podcast. Uh, let, let's go ahead, Matt. So
0: what would your definition be of drilling fluids? Well, drilling fluids kind of perform a, a few different functions, and, and we can talk about those. But predominantly, when you're drilling, it is a fluid, as which makes sense, that you circulate, actually down the well bore. So all the drill pipe that you you might see, that there's a drill bit at the end of it, you're actually circulating fluid down that pipe, out through the bit, and as the bit begins cutting away rock, um, you're actually circulating all of that back up to surface, and then you circulate it back down again.
1: Okay, Um, so, and picture this. I mean, you've got a massive amount of fluid on surface, you know, on the drilling rig itself. Uh, it's sitting in tanks uh and there's a massive pump uh probably about the size of a small office or or slightly bigger that actually pumps uh this fluid takes it from the tanks to the rig floor and down uh the drill pipe. Is that correct? Absolutely. Very nice. We can all picture this. So Matt, when you're talking about uh the fluids, you know, I'm sure people out there have heard the term uh you know water-based, oil-based. Uh, would you mind just describing what the classifications of drilling fluids are?
0: Sure, uh, you know probably one of the, if you call it the most common or or the one that most people like to work with the most, it would be what's called oil-based mud or invert emulsion. Uh, so this the these categories are actually they have a continuous phase which is an oil. Sometimes it could be diesel, but it could be some refined material. It could even be synthetic. They typically call those synthetic-based. Muds, but they run in the same family Um, and they tend to be preferred because they're a lot easier to run, they're a little easier to manage, but they can be somewhat expensive. Okay, and then moving along to water based mud, water based mud can be pretty much water along with whatever other chemical additives, it could be clay or a polymer or something uh, to give it some properties, and then of course, the, the at the Additives can kind of go on and on. But, you know, the distinction with water-based mud, one is it's generally cheaper. Uh, generally speaking, it's easier to get a more environmentally friendly formulation out of water-based muds, depending on what you put in it. And they tend uh, to be fluids that you would use in more cost-sensitive areas where I don't have to drill really, really fast to save money. Sure. What... Uh, you know, when
1: selecting different fluids, uh, are there some major factors that you'd li- typically like to consider before
0: choosing whether you want to go with an oil based or a water based? It's actually a fairly complicated answer. Uh, it can depend on a number of different factors from what the customer wants to do to what works to what the regulatory agency in the area says. And, you know, there's so many factors, but a lot of it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So, some of the functions. Of a fluid and how they're optimized. Interesting.
1: Well, and like you said, that's a pretty lengthy answer, or it can be. So I think that's definitely something we need to touch on, maybe in in another episode. Uh, You know, in talking about the functions, uh, there's, you know, when when pumping a fluid down hole, it seems pretty simple, but in actuality, it's probably one of the most important, uh, you know, additives or one of the most important factors when uh, considering drilling. Would you mind kind of going over the functions of drilling fluids?
0: Sure. I mean, I mean, the description could be quite broad, but I think the very first one I would want to raise is is just the well control component. So these fluids we have a density or it's called a mud weight, so they're they're given um, a specific uh, mass to them such that they actually apply apply pressure on the well bore and are important for, for example, if you're drilling in a gas or an oil zone, keeping that, those hydrocarbons back from uncontrolled flow. So in the well control perspective, preventing what's called a blowout, um, you need a fluid that has sufficient, sufficient pressure to hold back pressure that might come at you from the wellbore. Interesting. And, and not only
1: hydrocarbons, uh, oil or gas, but you also have water uh, influxes as well. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different... Reasons why you'd want to apply pressure to the outside of the wellbore, but primarily, you know, preventing like what Matt says, a blowout or a kick is when your density uh, isn't heavy enough or high enough to which then the uh, influx coming in from the wellbore will actually go into the wellbore up the annulus and out towards surface, which is which can be very dangerous uh, and and can potentially uh, and God forbid, you know, cause injury or even burn down rigs in, in, some cases. So that, uh, and I'd have to agree with you, Matt, the number one, uh, function in my opinion for drilling fluids would be well control. I mean, we're, we're drilling wells all over the world and you know, the, the number one, uh, factor out there is
0: safety. So that, that to me is extremely important. Uh, what else is there, Matt? Well, Hole cleaning is another big one. Uh, When I'm drilling, I'm generating all of this ground up rock from the drill bit and I need to be able to convey it to surface. So the fluid really helps with that. And you can adjust its properties along with how fast you're pumping it and other elements just to get the hole clean so I can keep drilling ahead. Interesting.
1: Are there any major uh, factors when it comes to hole cleaning
0: that you need to consider? There are several factors, and this is another kind of topic in and of its own r- story. But it's not just how thick the fluid is. Sometimes a fluid that's too thick can actually create problems as well. But keeping the right flow rate, rotating your drill pipe, um, and having the right viscosity so that you have a good flow regime and actually have uh, you're getting energy, fluid energy, against the cuttings to carry them out of the well. Those are kind of the three critical factors for hole cleaning.
1: And to supplement that, I'm sure the listeners are thinking, well, when all this rock comes out to surface, you know, then what? Uh, so to briefly describe that, if you can picture fluid coming out of the hole, uh, it, it returns to surface and goes out over what we call shale shakers. Uh, and without getting to, into too much detail, it's basically big screens on surface that screen out all the cuttings and, uh, and the rock into a bin. And then the fluid that comes out of the hole actually gets uh, put back into the rig tanks and recirculated down holes. So it's not a continuous injection of new fluid. Uh, you're actually just circulating the same fluid and just screening out a lot of the solids. Matt,
0: tell us more. This is this gets too interesting here. Sarcasm noted. <laughs> Hopefully everybody's enjoying hearing about this. Uh, but with, with respect to kind of one of the other key functions is to support and stabilize the wellbore. And there's actually a couple of different ways that works. One is actually going back to the mud weight is just holding the hole open uh, because it has all of this other rock and the weight of what we call overburden up against it. So you need some weight to, to hold the hole open and then it gets even more complicated when you're drilling at an angle uh, because you may be, Intersecting with layers of rock at an at an odd angle that actually requires even more pressure to keep it from falling apart. Um, and then another element of that is actually being able to inhibit the well bore chemically. So some of the components in our fluids, especially when you're talking about water-based mud, can actually interact with the formation. And for example, if you're drilling through a, a clay layer and it sees water, it wants to swell. So you may need to adjust the chemistry to actually prevent that from happening, or you could have a real difficult drilling challenge on your hands.
1: Matt, when talking about the the chemistry, it it sounds to me like, you know, when we're talking about water-based muds, and it's kind of a rhetorical question, but obviously there's different categories of water-based muds, because it sounds like there's areas that you can drill with that are, you know, relatively easy, maybe vertical, but I can imagine as you, as you go out and you're drilling uh, a deviated well bore or even a lateral uh, well bore, uh, there, there's different things that we need to consider. So, with water based muds, there's also different classifications within water based muds, is there not?
0: There are. Uh, so, you can come across your basic run of the mill fluid, um, all, and some of the, the most basic, which don't require a lot of inhibition, for example, you could drill with a foam uh, or, or just a gas. So it's, it's technically a fluid and there's not a lot you do to it, really. A lot of it's focused on certain things like corrosion, but they're relatively low impact and relatively inexpensive fluids that you might use while drilling. So we've
1: covered the major functions. You've got well control, hole cleaning, support and stabilize the wellbore. Matt, are there any other functions out there uh, that you can think of that that the listeners can kind of understand even further uh, what some of the functions
0: are? Sure. I I mean, I think there's a number of things, you know, as you circulate this fluid, it's going around your entire drilling assembly. It's pretty much touching everything, right? Um, You know, we kind of joke in the industry that everybody blames the mud for everything. Um, That's correct. (laughs) And it's probably not as much of a joke as a truth, but uh, you know, Consider that you've got this, this drill string, and it's pretty heavy. It's all steel. Well, the fluid is actually supporting some of that weight as you're drilling and, and offering up some, some buoyancy. And then as you're drilling, you have what's called torque. You're rotating, uh, and you have a lot of metal on contact against rock or other metal, um, and the fluid actually provides lubricity. And at the drill at the drill bit you're actually cooling um you're actually providing something to take heat away and circulate cool fluid around the drill bit uh, to minimize wear and tear on it another Another thing to consider is all of the power that's delivered down hole is is pretty much outside of a battery it's going to be delivered by the fluid being pumped down so fluid power uh, fluid the mud pumps are actually applying sufficient force to rotate a drilling motor or even send signals through um, what's called mud pulse telemetry pulsation back up to the rig floor or down to a tool to tell it what to do next. Um, So the hydraulic energy is actually very important that a fluid conveys. Uh, And then as this fluid comes into contact with the formation, there's functions like logging where I want to stick a probe against the rock and see what kind of material it is, and is there any oil present there. And guess what? Whatever's between the uh, the material you want to measure and the tool is going to be a drilling fluid. So it's an important medium for logging. And I think one other thing that's important is, is when we drill a well in sections, we normally... Drill, uh, drill what we call an interval. It's a section of formation. And then we run pipe and case it off and cement it in place. And then we'll drill the next one. And that's kind of how we manage some safety factors and, and that sort of thing. But uh, the our drilling fluid has to be displaced by cement. And usually that kind of handshake or exchange to make sure that the cement gets a really good contact um, is another area where drilling fluids can be involved, and and we have to work with the cementers to make sure that everything goes well. It's evident
1: that fluids, our fluid, our drilling fluids, basically touch everything on the rig. I mean, everything from your surface equipment uh, down to your drill pipe, your mud motors, MWDs, uh, which there's a lot of components in that. Um, it goes off the shale shakers into bins, which then they have to dispose of. Uh, so, I
0: mean, it really it, it impacts everything to do with drilling. Absolutely, Justin. I mean, you know how you know how it is, the the fluid touches everything and because of that, you have to think about the implications of the fluid touching everything. And, you know, certainly that goes to the environmental considerations. What do we do in the chemistry to make the fluids more environmentally compatible or make sure that our people are safe, uh, you know, in case they're exposed to a fluid? Think about touching different metallurgy, the drill pipe, and potential for corrosion. Uh, there's just so many different elements. You mentioned the tools, the downhole tools. They might have elastomer, rubber elements that could wear in under certain conditions. So it just it's just about everywhere you think about the fluid could touch and actually be part of the problem or part of the solution.
1: Well, Matt, I mean, that sounds like a pretty long list. Do you have any stories or examples when that actually is something you had to deal with?
0: Sure. I mean, there's there's a, a pretty long list, and what's funny is even as a as someone who tries to tout themselves as a fluids expert, it sort of ends up leading into a lot of other avenues. So, elastomer compatibility is is a really common story uh, where you have these fluids and they may interact with rubber materials for example, in a blowout preventer, uh, which is a really important piece of equipment, uh, and it has rubber elements to it. And they noticed that the rubber elements were failing prematurely. And of course, thankfully, they followed the right testing protocol to identify this, but the customer still came back and said, well, gee, this is a really serious issue. What can we do so we don't have to keep replacing these ahead of our standard maintenance schedule? And So we had to go ahead and do an investigation because the assumption was, well, the fluid must be creating the issue, um, and investigate, are any of our additives incompatible with these elastomers? Is the base fluid from our oil-based mud incompatible with these elastomers? Uh, And so you have those kinds of conversations, and sometimes the investigation leads you in a really interesting path. And sometimes it turns out you had to find out information you didn't already know, like the elastomers were sourced from a company that's no longer in business. And part of the reason that they are no longer in business is they were having lots of quality control issues. You know, that, that doesn't get communicated down the line. And, and you have to do your due diligence to say, okay, let's at least rule these things out. Um, you know, we hadn't had any issues in the past, but it was just a comparison study where we had to do swell testing. We had to see all kinds of chemical interactions and verify that they weren't outside of acceptable tolerance. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Uh, it sounds like there's a lot of investigating that can be done. Um, you know, I'll share an example. Uh, you know, for me, one of my customers, they were having corrosion control issues, uh, especially when dealing with drill pipe. Uh, one of the properties that's you know that we track when drilling with a water-based mud is the pH, and uh, if anyone has a bit of background in uh, in corrosion, you know that the pH in the fluid uh, can have an effect on corrosion rates inside drill pipes. So one of the things that uh, companies can do and what we did is, is you insert a metal coupon inside the drill pipe uh, through a certain section of the well. and. We can actually bring it back and test the corrosion rate to see if the corrosion control products that we're adding at certain concentrations are actually effective. uh turns out they were and and you know a lot of it is just uh doing doing different testing to uh, make sure that the customer is is getting what they're paying for and making sure that what we're pumping doesn't negatively affect uh, other parts of the rig to where everything functions correctly and that uh, there are no failures or you know doing as much as we can to prevent any bit of tool failure or equipment failures as well.
0: Uh I think that's a really good point and and bear in mind that a lot of it is timely troubleshooting in in our line of work drilling fluids could be the problem they might not be but the rig is still trying to drill ahead and it's waiting on an answer before they do anything and so it could be that the tool plugged because It wasn't properly put together in the shop, but at the same time that the person providing that tool is running that investigation, they're asking, hey, we have some material that got stuck in the tool. Can you perform some analytical testing and tell us what it is so we can determine, was it from the drilling fluid? Was it from the formation? Was it some some other foreign object and we need to figure out where it's coming from before we damage another one and waste more time And so a lot of it, even if it's not a fluid problem, you still need to investigate and and rule that out as a potential issue. So it, it really is a broad spectrum where you've got to wear a lot of different hats. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.